Welcome to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I'm your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet. And uh, you can't see it, but uh, I shaved my beard last night and uh, kind of missing it. I feel a little bit uh, naked. <laughs> um, I've had a beard for, I don't know, maybe a couple months now, three, four months. And uh, I was keeping it pretty well trimmed, but uh, I don't know. It's just it's weird not having not having a beard. It definitely changes things. But uh, the reason I shaved it is the same reason I've been shaving for the past uh, six years or whatever uh, that I've been in oil and gas uh, as a occupation, career, vocation. Uh, and that is uh, I needed to take a class, a safety class, recertify for uh, H2S Clear. And uh, also get fit tested again for wearing an SCBA. SCBA, that stands for self-contained breathing apparatus. Uh, basically the same thing as scuba. That's, you know, scuba just uh, adds a U for underwater. But it uh, looks like I'm going to be going down to Texas to uh, do uh, about two weeks worth of work. I'm going to be covering vacation for one of our automation technicians here. Uh, the, uh, the the company I work for, he's going to go on vacation, and, and then I'm going to train with him for a little bit before uh, he leaves, and then uh, you know fill in for him while he's gone, and then of course I'll be headed back home. But uh, it's going to be really uh, different. Uh, I've never been to Texas before, except for uh, flying in. And just briefly, it was a, a stopping point uh, on the way to Florida. And uh, and this is not just Texas. This is Laredo, Texas, which is literally on the border with Mexico. And so, uh, you know, up till now, the you know, one of the main accounts that I've worked for, they're a Canadian company. Actually, the company I work for as a whole is a Canadian company. And then they have a an American division in the U.S. Uh, but then also our, our biggest automation customer is a Canadian company. And then they've got well sites just uh, all along the border with Canada up north of Wilston. And so I'm going to go from working on the border with Canada uh, up here in Montana and North Dakota to uh, going down to Texas and working on the Mexican border for uh, a week and a half or so. So that's going to be very, very different, but you know, part of the work is going to entail masking up. Uh, you know, I, There's hydrogen sulfide, which is uh, a poisonous gas, and uh, so you have, to, you have to wear breathing equipment while you're exposed to it, while you're working, and uh, not to mention, besides all that, it's going to be really hot because it's Texas, and uh, it's summer. <laughs> and uh, so that's going to be very different. It's going to be a new experience for me. I'm interested to see uh, how all that works out. Uh, I'm, I'm planning on needing to take lots of water, but uh, here just last night, went ahead and shaved in preparation. Tomorrow morning, I've got uh, my recertification scheduled in Williston for uh, being fit tested, going through the H2S clear. Actually, I don't think I've ever been through a four-hour H2S class before. It's always been like a one or two-hour 
if memory serves. But uh, yeah, this this should be interesting. Uh, I'll let you know how it goes. But uh, here this morning, I, I woke up, I was reading through the news, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, the biggest item for today, which uh, it is July. 28th, I do believe. That's correct. Thursday, July 28th, 2018. The big news item is that Justice Kennedy announced he's retiring yesterday, so there will be an additional vacancy on the Supreme Court, which President Donald Trump is going to be able to uh, fill. He'll, he'll be nominating someone. I read an article from the Daily Wire uh, ben Shapiro was describing the five uh, suspected front runners for who's going to replace Kennedy. Uh, most of them looked really, really sound uh, from what he had written. One or two of them are a little sketchy, and hopefully he doesn't go that route just for the sake of expedience. But uh, the left is going to lose their minds. I watched a little video from uh, Sean Hannity, he was showing uh, how the left responded when uh, Clarence Thomas was uh, nominated. And uh, you know, also you know, he talked about Bork, how Bork was uh, handled. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's obvious that the left uh, is willing to lie. They're willing to play dirty in order to obstruct. And what they do not want is a Supreme Court that will hand conservatives and originalists victory after victory by actually reading the Constitution, what it actually says, instead of what they wish it said. Uh, you know, whether the left. Uh, is able to obstruct Donald Trump's Supreme Court picks, uh, whether they are willing, uh, whether whether they're willing to lie and play dirty is not a question at all. I mean, we, we know that they are. Uh, the question is, if they're not able to uh, achieve what they're hoping to achieve in preventing that, stymieing uh, his productive efforts in that regard, then what? You know, and and once the Supreme Court is packed with conservatives uh, or originalists, they don't even have to necessarily be conservatives as much as originalists. If you're reading the Constitution for what it actually says instead of what you wish it said, uh, then that that's plenty good enough. I think, you know, maybe that's the same thing as being a conservative. By contrast with uh, those who are progressive who who want to read things into the text, which are not there. Uh, in which case, why even have a constitution? Why even have, I mean, why don't you just admit that you just want to be in, in control and, and in charge. You just want to have power and you don't want any limits on your power because you want to be able to do whatever you very well please, regardless of who likes it, regardless of who it steps on. Uh, congratulations. That's tyranny. That's statism. That is, uh, you know that, that will take us down a dark, dark road that we don't want to go down. Uh, you know, I think the left, as they see their opportunity and their power uh, slipping away, will get increasingly desperate, 
and the lies and the abuse will get to be less and less of a salve for uh, their burns <laughs> uh, to the point where they're going to start taking violent action more and more. Uh, the way that we saw Antifa and, and other such uh, becoming violent, threatening police. Uh, I, I think you already see Trump supporters and uh, conservatives you know, being met with uh, violent action, uh, definitely being punished and harassed. And you've got uh, Maxine Waters calling for the harassment of anybody associated with the Trump administration uh, after Sarah Huckabee Sanders, daughter of Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas and uh, you know, several time candidate for Republican presidential nominee. Uh, she was asked to leave a Red Hen restaurant when visiting uh, for a meal with her husband and uh, some other family, uh, because the restaurant owner said, you know, well, I've got standards to upkeep. I can't have you in here. You you spread lies. You work for this administration. You're a part of the this evil thing that uh, he's doing. And, uh, you know, it wasn't enough. I mean, she was asked to leave. Her and her husband left right away. Uh, the people that they were with ended up going across the street to a different restaurant, but uh, by one account that I read last night, uh, the, you know, the rest of the story hasn't quite been told yet, where the restaurant owner of the Red Hen wasn't even satisfied with that. She organized a protest uh, to go over to the other restaurant and, uh, and start, you know, yelling and making a scene and, and causing disruption for the rest of the guests uh, who had been with Sanders, even though Sanders had gone home, and uh, and you know, one of that number said, you know, he, hey, I'm a Democrat, you know, what? <laughs> you you guys are you're being ridiculous. Please stop. And they wouldn't, and they were shouting and, and being all uh, you know, aggressive and all that. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have any reason to doubt that that's true, but I don't know that that's true. That that story that I read. But uh, it certainly wouldn't surprise me with as irrational as the left is, uh, as upset as they are at uh, not being able to thwart Trump so far, uh, not being you know, in absolute control yet because that's what they're really going for. And anytime their policies don't work, uh, they just uh, double down and they say, well, you know, the reason it didn't work is because we didn't, we didn't do it enough. Right, we had this insane idea that was stupid, and the only reason it didn't work is because we just didn't didn't uh, take it far enough, you know. And uh, so we, you know, it's those those Republicans, it's those conservatives and those Christians. They they just messed everything up. If we can just get rid of them, don't let them have businesses, don't let them have a voice, don't let them vote, don't let them have representation. And when they do have representation, don't let that representation actually do anything, have any power, any say in what the outcome is going to be. <clears throat> uh, you know, that's, that's the, 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 the way that they are uh, operating as a matter of course right now. But, 
you know, I, I question, you know, what is it that the left will do if Trump nominates another uh, solid conservative for the Supreme Court, somebody like a Gorsuch, who's going to make consistently uh, conservative rulings, uh, you know, and then uh, as you have Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, getting up there in years, there there were uh, a number of signs that she was going to retire. I think if Hillary had won the presidency, Ginsburg would have already stepped down and that Hillary would have replaced her quickly uh, with someone who was maybe even more radical, more leftist, more progressive. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you have Ginsburg about to uh, retire, possibly. Uh, and so then you might have, even more so, uh, the, the Supreme Court stacked with Trump appointees, you know, three uh, out of nine. And, uh, you know, what does that mean for the kinds of cases that might go to the Supreme Court and, and, and which the left won't even try? If they're no, they're going to know that they can't even, don't even go there, just save it. You know, and then the right might even try to push. Hey, can we overturn Roe versus Wade? Well, if we did, what would the left do? Uh, Matt Walsh posted something just last night where uh, he was saying, you know, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, the left uh, that that would probably be enough for them to just kick into the full civil war. Uh, footing uh mentality you know where they would just be they would be outright violent towards republicans anybody that's supported donald trump and uh you know and if that's if that's what it takes if it does take a, a second civil war in order to bring an end to abortion uh, and all the rest of the baggage all the rest of the uh, nonsense that the progressives have been about uh, then so be it. Uh, at the very least with the abortion issue, that would be worth fighting a civil war over. If that isn't, then I don't know what is. I'm sorry. I mean, the first civil war wasn't even justified if abortion isn't a big enough issue that we would be willing to fight a civil war over it. It is that important. It is. Uh, you know, if the left is not able to uh, obstruct and prevent the replacement for Kennedy being uh, appointed and confirmed to the Supreme Court. If something happens to Ginsburg, uh, where she, you know, gets uh, sick, if she's just, you know, hey, I just can't do this anymore, uh, whatever, uh, and then Trump is able to get that Supreme Court vacancy filled as well. And if the Democrats don't do as well in the midterms as they're really, really hoping. Uh, you know, imagine if they lose ground in the midterms because Trump, hey, he's actually been getting it done. Look what he did with North Korea. Look what he did with taxes. Look what he did with, you know, so on and so forth. Unemployment is down. Uh, we feel more secure, safer. Stuff is getting done, and isn't that nice?
you know, good stuff is getting done. If the left is losing their mind about it, well, oh well, you know, so what? But, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it could come to blows. Um, I, I would be more surprised if it doesn't come to blows. There's a lot of articles saying as much that it will. And I think it's just going it to, it wouldn't even take, there was one poll that I read, said that 31% of Americans feel confident you know, when, when uh, polled by Rasmussen, 31% of likely voters uh, say that they believe a civil war could come in the next five years. And you know, 29%, I, th- I think, said uh, it's not likely at all. But, you know, the, the thing I was thinking about with that was if only 30%, you know, and that's a... Roughly 30% of Republicans and 30% of Democrats uh, and 30% of independents. So it's pretty bipartisan, uh, apolitical. You know, everybody who thinks that is pretty evenly divided across the political spectrum. But it wouldn't require 100% of Americans wanting a civil war or being willing to fight a civil war for us to have a civil war. Uh, you know, I think the first civil war and even the American Revolution – it wasn't the majority that really wanted to have a conflict. I think the majority consistently doesn't want to have a conflict. But when you get a, uh, a certain critical mass on both poles, you, ha- you have polarization and then sufficient number of people on both ends of the spectrum uh, at odds with each other and willing to come to blows, then you know at some point, uh, you know, a group of them over here, a group of them over there actually do come to blows and then everybody else just kind of gets sucked into it because you know, then you're going to have to pick sides and uh, if it escalates, goes up from there, then uh, you, you've, got, you, you've got a war in your hands. You just do. So, you know, in the case of uh, the midterms, in the case of the Supreme Court, um, I'm not afraid. I, and you know, the, the, the Democrats, the progressives have already won if we shrink back from these opportunities uh, out of fear for how they're going to respond. Uh, and if they are the kinds of people who would react violently to us uh, having Supreme Court victories, uh, getting even bigger majorities in the House and Senate, uh, being able to affect real big things for America that are not progressive. <laughs> uh, if, if the progressive left uh, is such that they would uh, lie and abuse people and harass people and drive them out of their businesses and slander them and do all kinds of terrible things uh, just as soon as they can make them legal, then we can't let them be in charge. We, we can't let them rule. Uh, and the abortion issue, I was just telling two coworkers of mine the other day, I said, you know, I think single issue voters, uh, you know, there, there's criticism that I've heard for anybody that would be a single issue voter. But 
that criticism aside, I I am willing to accept the the uh, term as one of endearment when it comes to the issue of abortion, because I think that issue really uh, it it sets the stage for what you can expect for everything else that follows. You know, in the case of conservatives, if Republicans are predominantly pro-life, we're saying. No, that little baby in the womb should have a voice. I have to be that baby's voice. I have to oppose this. I have to stand against this. That baby should have someone protecting it from murder. Then, you know, and and what is it that the Republican is getting out of that except for a clean conscience? You know, I'm not... uh, benefiting that baby won't even know that I'm speaking up on speaking up on their behalf probably and there's they're not paying me they're not bribing me they're not I'm they're, I'm not getting favors in return you know it's an entirely altruistic uh move to argue in favor of the unborn and yet that is a predominantly republican position Right. Uh, by contrast, you have the progressives who are predominantly uh, "quote unquote" pro-choice. Which, let's not kid ourselves, the choice that they're pro is the choice to abort. You know, <laughs> if I said I was pro-choice, quote unquote, and by that I mean you're free to choose whether to not abort your baby or uh, to be prosecuted, to be punished, because it's going to be against the law to have an abortion. Well, that would be unacceptable to the people who self-identify as pro-choice, right? Because they're they are for, in favor of, the choice to murder your unborn child having no consequences in terms of law. No, no, no legal action will be taken against you. You won't be arrested. You won't be punished. You won't be held accountable for that at all. You know, the progressives are pro-abortion. They are for funding uh, groups and facilities that provide abortions. They're for legal protection, uh, you know, for uh, furthering, you know, pushing more of the same kind of thing as abortion uh, to where the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, if I can't see that baby right now and it must not be alive, it must not be human. If I can't see the pain that I'm inflicting, uh, the barbaric thing that's being done to that baby uh, before its life is, is ultimately snuffed out. If I can't see that, then it doesn't exist or it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Um, truth is not a value to the left. So the left uh, can say it all day that it's just a blob of tissue. It's not actually a person. It's a, a potential person. And, uh, and and here's the kicker, right? If the left isn't willing to protect, but rather wants the option to terminate, quote unquote, terminate, uh, i.e. murder, an inconvenient, helpless, innocent, the most helpless and innocent person in society uh, if that person is getting in the way of the adult getting to have fun, getting to self-actualize, 
pursue their career, pursue their education, uh, be self-indulgent, etc. If that is the left's attitude with regards to the unborn, then what happens? Riddle me this, Batman. What happens when the left is running the government and there's nothing opposing them, nothing holding them in check, and they decide that you or I are inconvenient to them pursuing their self-actualization, pursuing their vision for society, uh, promoting business? You know, you know, if they can, if they can argue on the micro level for uh, the expedience and the acceptability of terminating life when it is inconvenient, then what prevents them on the macro level from terminating life? If they can say that it takes a village to raise a child, and that we're going to decentralize. Uh, parenting out of the hands of parents and then society is going to be the caretaker for those children society everybody's responsible well that means nobody's responsible that's the idea you don't want individual parents feeling like they can uh, you know indoctrinate their children with their values if they're not progressives and you basically want Marxism right you, you want collectivism you want statism well, what is it uh, that has led to the mass murder of peoples in the Soviet Union, in Mao's China, in Nazi Germany, in many other places, and pretty much all the places where communism has uh, ruled and reigned, out-and-out communism, uh, most forms of socialism, you've had the state, the government, uh, rounding up and murdering the people that are deemed inconvenient. You know, if the the, the academics, uh, if the religious, uh, if the, the political opposition is getting in the way of the five-year plan, and if the government could say, "Well, you were critical, you, you are you're interfering with our uh, our goal here," you know, we have a five-year plan to pursue our education and uh, and pursue a career. And fool around. We don't want the consequences of having to care for you or deal with you or reason with you or whatever. Share resources with you. We're just going to round you up and terminate you. Bury you in mass graves. Whatever. You know, that's exactly where that kind of thinking uh, goes. It's, it's, that's where it comes from. And so that's why the left cannot be allowed to win. They cannot be allowed to govern. They cannot be reasoned with. Uh, all of their smears uh, are uh, just a lot of, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's like that one quote, you know, life is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Uh, that is uh, also a, an apt summary of uh, how the left reacts to uh, conservatives, to Donald Trump, to uh, any opposition whatsoever. Full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. A tale told by an idiot. You know, their objections are hollow uh, and really you know, just manipulations uh, and uh, intimidations designed to get them what they want. They're just pushing buttons until something does it for them. Right? Uh, it's like, uh, you know, back in the day when I used to play 
uh, kung fu fighting video games. I haven't really had the time for the past few years. You know, seven kids, work, uh, podcasting, uh, reading, church, all the rest. I just I, I don't have the time that I used to. But I I, I love a good uh, kung fu martial arts game. You know, your your Soul Caliber, your Tekken, your you know Street Fighter. But you know, back in the day, you know, if, if somebody would get really desperate or if you were playing with them for the first time and they just didn't know what they were doing and they started losing and they didn't like that they were losing, just start uh, doing what, what is referred to as a button mashing. You just you just start just push all the buttons until, you know, kicks and punches land and you know, just I gotta get this guy off me. You know, I don't I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing, I'm not being strategic about it. I'm just gonna mash buttons. Hope that one of these punches and kicks connects. And, uh, you know, that's that's where the left is at, right, in America. They're button mashing. And so they throw up all of these scandals and uh, objections and accusations. And really all that it amounts to is that they want to be in control. They want to win. They don't care what it takes to, to accomplish that. Saul Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals, very clear that uh, it, it isn't a question of whether the ends justify the means. It is a question of uh, what your ends are, what your means. Any uh, means can be justified depending on the, the ends that you're pursuing. Uh, and also don't be afraid to go incremental. You know, if you can uh, be the mouse that asks for a cookie today and then you go back and you ask for a glass of milk tomorrow, then so be it. You don't have to ask for everything all at once and then spook uh, the person you're asking and demanding it from. And maybe the first time you ask nicely, and if they they turn you down, you just ratchet it up and you you know slander them, accuse them, get abusive. <clears throat> well, that is that is the left in America today. You know, similarly, uh, <laughs> I was just reading a, an article. It was in the the Daily Mail, and uh, you know that the. the Title, it's a huge title if this is actually the title. Uh, it reads, The full horror of the Aztec skull tower revealed. Archaeologists say thousands of human sacrifices had their still beating hearts cut out before their heads were severed and added to a monument the size of a basketball court. So uh, a little bit of context. You know, for those that are uh, unfamiliar, We've known for a long, long, long time since the Spanish conquistadores uh, first brought back stories of uh, what they found in Mexico when they encountered the Aztec people. Uh, we've known for a long, long, long time that the Aztecs were engaged in uh, massive human sacrifice rituals. Uh, they would cut the, the, the hearts out of the chests of, rip the hearts out of the chests of their victims, uh, and then throw their bodies down the pyramids. Uh, there was also cannibalism involved. So once the body got to the bottom of the stairs, they decapitate it. And then the, the skull uh, was put on a tower or on racks for display. And uh, and then the body would be cut up and, and uh, distributed as food. I think, to the, I think to the families of the priests, if I remember right. Uh, but then they, they would just, they would sacrifice thousands of people at a time. Usually it was, uh, you know, captives 
from nearby tribes, you know, if they'd gone to, to battle uh, and uh, and conquered a neighboring tribe, they would you know capture the men, take them back, and then uh, you know make them uh, into slaves, make them play uh, you know, games, uh, sports for public entertainment, and they would sacrifice them. Uh, and so they, they, you know, in the in the religion of the uh, Aztecs, uh, this had to be done basically to uh, bring about a good harvest. Uh, you know, the gods needed to be appeased. Uh, we see this many places in ancient mythologies where the gods needed to be appeased for uh, the sins of man, or uh, you know, you've got to feed them. You got to put a, a coin in the uh, machine. In order to, to get it to vend, uh, you know, you want a candy bar, you're going to have to have enough quarters. You want a good harvest, you want peace and prosperity in the land, uh, you're going to have to sacrifice enough human beings to the gods. And uh, and so the Spanish conquistadors, uh, they uh, encountered this. Uh, they wrote stories about seeing these uh, racks and these towers. Uh, into which uh, thousands and tens of thousands, and hundreds of thousands of skulls had been placed. So, and then uh, you know they observed the ritual. You observe the ritual. You see uh, the stockpile of skulls that's been built up, and uh, you know they they concluded, hey, this is really messed up. <laughs> this is evil. Um, you know. Uh, back to the the left in America, I mean, you've got this collectivist notion among the Aztec peoples. Uh, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. We all need a good harvest. So, in order to make an omelet, you should have to crack a few eggs, right? And uh, you know, if we gotta, if we've gotta have a, a few thousand human sacrifices every now and then. Uh, in order to keep the gods happy, in order to keep the harvests uh, plentiful, then so be it. That's, that's just what we have to do, right? And this is where we see that, you know, collectively, belief uh, determines direction. You know, if we believe that the, the corn god desires the blood of the innocent uh, before he's going to you know, give you nice, uh, full ears of corn, uh, then, hey, you know, why not? Obviously, if you believe that God uh, is going to, that he hates hands that shed innocent blood, that he does not tolerate any other gods being worshipped before him, uh, and if he forbids murder, he forbids uh, things like that, well, then, you're not going to do those things, right? You're not going to engage in those human sacrifices the way that the Aztecs did. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, the, the, the conquistadors, the Spanish, uh, they ended up overthrowing the Aztec Empire. Uh, you know, oddly enough, the surrounding tribes uh, that uh, were always getting raided and their, their people uh, taken captive and then sacrificed in the most gruesome uh, ways uh, at the Aztec capital of Tenochtitlan. Uh, these surrounding tribes, it's just weird that they actually didn't really care for the Aztecs. Uh, and they were kind of 
fed up with all that. And they, when the conquistadors showed up and then it's like, oh, hey, wait a second. You guys look like you can handle yourselves. You've got, you know, steel uh, weapons, these impressive weapons. You've got these horses that you're riding on. That's pretty, pretty cool. We didn't have horses around. Uh, what do you, man, it looks like you can get from place A to place B pretty quick. Uh, and that's pretty intimidating too. You've got this big war horse that uh, you know you're looking down from. Uh, you've got firearms. You've got armor. You've got, you know, gosh, man, you guys look like you could probably handle yourselves in a fight. Say, come over here. Let's let's talk about these Aztecs for a second. What do, what would you think of us teaming up and uh, overthrowing them? What do you, we, we've been meaning to for a while, just haven't been able to find the right opportunity. Now it looks like a great time. Uh, what do you say? Right. And, uh, and the conquistadores, you know, they're looking at what the Aztecs are doing, and, you know, and they're not all, you know, they don't have the hearts of angels themselves. They're wanting gold and conquest and they're itching for a fight. And, uh, and so they say, yeah, sure. You know, let's, let's do that. And so they take the king of the, the Aztecs captive and, uh, ultimately end up murdering him uh but uh and uh, i think the traditional way of looking at the spanish uh, in that scenario is that they were the villains and those poor aztecs the noble savages uh, no actually <laughs> um let's not put them up on a pedestal uh, unless you're willing to recognize that the pedestal uh, has thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of skulls uh, built into it <laughs> uh, with mortar in between. The skulls are like bricks, the mortar in between. You can you can find this article. Uh, you know, it just came out yesterday. Uh, it was updated today, but uh, dailymail.com. Uh, you can look at the wall of skull. They've got footage. They've got pictures. Uh you know, that's the kind of pedestal that you should put the Aztecs on and, and, and uh, we should not kid ourselves that they were some virtuous, noble people. Uh, what they were doing, what they were engaged in was satanic and demonic. And, uh, you know, it. I think uh, if the conquistadors uh, in any measure were looking at that and thinking, hey, we, how can we just move on from this? I mean, they're, they're, they're sacrificing men, women, and children, actually. And they found the skulls of women and children in the walls as well. Uh, how can we just move on? And then, too, I mean, it's a fair question to ask. You know, at what point do they decide to give us this treatment uh, and do this to us as well? I mean, we can't let them be in control and then have ourselves at their mercy and you know what if we try to leave are they going to try and stop us and then do this to us uh, you know so they so they ended up you know fighting and, and uh, conquering the Aztec Empire and you know so also I mean the, the the conquest the colonization of the rest of the Americas you know if you do your your research uh, read Charles C. Mann's 1491 and 1493 that he dispels a lot of myths on both ends of the spectrum Concerning uh, the people groups that originally lived in North America and South America with the arrival of the Europeans starting in you know late 1400s, early 1500s. You know, the, the early uh, 
efforts were uh, you know, pretty sensational. And the reports back were pretty sensational of what the first explorers were finding. Settlements all up and down rivers, huge, vast settlements, houses everywhere, people everywhere. Uh, you know, 100 years later, when the next wave of explorers started coming through the area, they didn't know what the first guys were talking about because here they had read their accounts. That's part of what had led them out here. And, uh, and then they're like, hey, where is everybody? We don't see all these settlements. We don't, all we see is just jungle and we see, uh, you know, just what, what, what are they talking about? But what had happened was uh, the first Europeans coming over, unbeknownst to them, had introduced European, uh, not just European, because that's a misnomer, old world diseases. Uh, things that, because of the genetic heterogeneity of uh, the old world with your Europeans, your Asians, your Africans, Middle Easterners, all interbreeding, all trading together, interacting with one another. They had resistance to these diseases. The Native Americans did not. And, and actually, there's evidence that there was a pretty extensive trade network all throughout the Americas. Uh, and that with the arrival of the Europeans, you have word and goods traveling very quickly all throughout the Americas. And then as far as the Europeans traveled as well, you've got them uh, interacting with different groups. And as they introduce a, a disease, and then you've got people going to the next town and the next town and the next town and spreading word, they're also spreading this disease. And because everybody was so close uh, genetically in the Americas, uh, the disease spread very rapidly because there was no immunity to it. Uh, it killed in very high numbers. And so you actually, it wasn't a genocide by and large. Uh, yeah, you had conquest. Yeah, you had, you know, fighting between peoples. Uh, as often as not instigated by the native tribes who, you know, especially if you tried to make friends with tribe A, tribe B has been their, you know, sworn enemies forever. Uh, tribe B doesn't like you very much. You know, uh, and and they're going to attack you. They're going to try and steal your stuff, uh, scalp you, rape your women, all that kind of stuff. Any chance they get, and uh, you know, if you if you've come over, you know, you and a uh, hundred of your best buds from the old world, and you're over here, and I mean, you're surrounded by natives. What are you What are you supposed to do? You just okay? I guess you got us. You know, <laughs> go ahead and kill us. All right. You know, well that's obviously. The people that were going to be like that, they weren't going to hold the future. They were going to, you know, be dead. Uh, and I mean, what were you expecting either? Hey, let's just jump jump back in our ships and go sail back to Europe. Well, that <laughs> that's not realistic either, right? Uh, but if you're being attacked by these native tribes and uh, you defend yourself and you just so happen to have superior weapons, superior technology, uh, horses steel, guns, uh, you know, you're going to have an advantage. You add to that <clears throat> that uh, you've got uh, these diseases coming through the area and, uh, you know, devastating populations of Native Americans, collapsing their society in effect. Uh, you know, that, that's where most of the, the death and the dying happened was, was disease. Uh, and Charles C. Mann, he estimates that there was actually a pretty extensive uh, buildup of civilization in the Americas. 
uh, in the order of you know many millions uh, throughout the continents, uh, but that you know anywhere from eighty to ninety percent of all those people died due to disease just from the first Europeans coming over and interacting, uh, you know, before you even really had uh, significant colonization. And then you get nomads, you get, uh, you know, just the remnants of societies with only, you know, 15% maybe of people left in your community. Uh, you know, maybe you guys just say, Hey, we, we need to get out of here. We need to go just be nomads. We're going to travel around, we're going to hunt the buffalo, follow the herds, move our teepees every so often. Uh, and so then, you know, the Europeans come across some pretty primitive society, maybe, relatively speaking, uh, to Europeans, but but also you know, probably relative to what society was, what culture had developed, uh, even in terms of the Native Americans, before Europeans arrived. Right. Uh, and you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, except in the case of smallpox blankets, which I think was a, a pretty late uh, development. That was a and that was not majority of cases. It wasn't like the Europeans were intentionally trying to get the native peoples sick from the very get go or across the board or in a widespread fashion. But. Uh, I mean, it, it, most of that disease and, and the, the toll that it took uh, was, a, was an act of God for all intents and purposes. And the native peoples recognized it as an act of God. And you could say, well, that's not very nice. Why would God do that? Or that's not very nice for anybody to attribute that to God. God would never do that. You know, there's both, both, uh, <laughs> both responses are common. Um, but I, you know, I would just refer you to, this uh, story out of the Daily Mail with these thousands and tens of thousands of uh, skulls being built into a tower, put on racks from human sacrifices. And uh, I just ask the question, you know, would a good God put up with that? And why would he? You know, uh, it, it says in, in Genesis you know, that God at, at one point regretted that he had made man because the earth was filled with violence. And the, the, thoughts, the thoughts of men's hearts were just evil continually. And so he made up his mind. He says, oh, I'm just going to put a stop to this. That's, that's going to be enough. And, uh, you know, why, why is it that that would be his attitude then, but, you know, with the Native Americans, uh, insofar as uh, some of them, like the Aztecs especially, were engaged in human sacrifice, uh, were doing evil things, violent, evil, murderous things, and mass as a policy. Uh, why would we think that he would put up with that, bless that, allow that to continue forever? And wouldn't we expect that, actually, uh, an act of a good, just, loving God would be uh, to bring about uh, the fall of uh, an empire like that, so that it could be replaced with something that was good and something that was wholesome that uh, did not murder in mass. Right. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm going to tie this all back to the left in America today. 
and say that you know, whatever, however you justify in your mind uh, that some people are expendable, some people it's okay to murder them. Uh, it, it's it's not. It doesn't fly with God. You know, it, 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 as far as I'm concerned, there's really no appreciable difference. Uh, in the in the very nature of abortion and human sacrifice, you know, if it's if one is done in a sterile environment, uh, ostensibly uh, legal by trained medical professionals, and uh, in the case of the Aztecs, it was done by a priest in public on the top of a pyramid for everybody to see. That it was made into a spectacle. You know, at the end of the day, uh, somebody's getting murdered, you know, and, and having, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, the ritual of, uh, human sacrifice for the Aztecs gave it an air of, uh, propriety. The fact that it was done by a priest, well, it's you know, a priest, he's a priest, he's a holy man. I mean, you wouldn't do something evil, right? It can't be evil, human sacrifice, if a priest is doing it. Uh, it can't be evil if a doctor is doing it, right? You see the parallel? Uh, you know, in one case, uh, the skulls were displayed. You know, the, the flesh was uh, uh, scraped off of them, and then they were displayed as skulls uh, for everyone to recognize, to see. Uh, you know, according to the article, the, the Aztec people believed that these were seeds, you know, uh, being planted for uh, the the uh, future harvest, uh, the, the the ultimate greater good of mankind. Uh, God's not going to turn a blind eye to that forever. He may be patient, he may be long suffering, but he is a good, holy, righteous God, and he will not tolerate that. There will be judgment, uh, and when it comes, it will come hard and fast. Uh, there be maybe uh, no recovering from it. It may not be a warning shot. It may not be a repent. It may be a you are destroyed now. You know, at one point in the New Testament it says, you know, do not fear man who can only kill the body and then has nothing more he can do to you. But fear God who can kill the body and then can destroy the, the soul in hell. Um, yeah, I think I think the left in America would do well to remember that. I think conservatives in America would do well to remember that. You know, our concern should not be uh, either in playing God. Uh, certainly, should not be in human sacrifice, so that we can have uh, you know the blessings of a good harvest. You know, I think that uh, that evil that. The Aztecs were engaged in, uh, you know, really, you could boil it down to, you know, caring about the economy first, right? That's what comes of, of putting economic concerns ahead of moral concerns, ahead of uh, the dignity of human life. Uh, you know, any Republicans that would say, well, let's not push too hard on uh, the issue of abortion, protecting the unborn. 
because you know, we just we really need the economy. That's that's where the president, that's where the government needs to focus its energy. Uh, just just leave the the abortion question alone. Bullcrap. No. You know that kind of thinking uh, is is how you get thousands of people, uh, you know, being sacrificed at the top of a pyramid, thrown down. Right. You know, maybe one side is saying, hey, yeah, you know, we're sharpening our knives. We want to be the ones to do it. But if the other side is saying, well, we'll let you do it as long as you just let us go about our business. That's evil, too. That's an injustice. It should not be. So, uh, you know, I think, too, Micah 6, 8. You know, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. To do justice. You know, some Christians uh, I've been debating with here recently and for, for years, for, since the beginning, since I first started paying any attention to politics whatsoever. You know, they'll say, well, Christians can't be getting into politics because uh, it's a distraction from the gospel. Okay. You know, I had one just telling me last week, uh, Garrett, your focus should be on winning souls, pre preaching the gospel. Anytime that politics becomes a distraction from that, then you've, you've uh, gone off the rails. Knock it off. And I, my response to that was, okay, listen, I'm here I'm an automation technician. That's what I do. That's my how I make a living. Uh, I go to work. I install sensors on things. I get them communicating. I set them up. I configure them. If they stop working for some reason. I go out and figure out why, and I fix it. That's my job. That's how I make money. That money then goes to provide for my family, provide for my needs. And I do that. Uh, I try to do that at least 40 hours a week. If I can get 50 or 60 hours or 70 hours, the paychecks are nicer, so I do that too. Uh, but it, does anybody say to me, Garrett, you should quit that job uh, because it's a distraction from the gospel? Shame on you, Garrett. If You you, you need to not care so much. Don't, don't focus so much on being really good at being an automation technician so that you have job security so that you, uh, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, you're doing with all your might as unto the Lord, you know, no, 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 no. You need to be passing out gospel tracts all the time. Uh, sorry, that's not what God has called me to for one. For another thing, uh, it's not responsible. You know, if God had called me to it and it didn't make any sense, uh, that'd be one thing, but if he hasn't called me to it, and if there's a great deal of evidence uh, to the contrary that, that actually this is where I'm supposed to be, I should have this as my full-time job, and then I can uh, share my testimony, I can write, I can podcast on the side, I can uh, try and be a good Christian uh, at work so that people see that, uh, you know, great. You know, I think God's pleased with that, to do uh, and that's what I'm going to do until I, you know, hear otherwise. Until he, he changes my mind about that. But uh, yeah, so also with politics, you know, a Christian would say, "Hey, you need to stay out of that. It's a distraction from the gospel." Well, sorry, the gospel is preach repentance. You know, the gospel doesn't make any sense apart from the bad news that we have a sin problem. And and riddle me this too. I mean, if if we're supposed to. Uh, 
you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord and to do a good job of it. What happens in a system like ours where we have representative government, where we are electing people and we have to consider the, uh, the options. I could go for candidate A, B, C, D. They have different positions. One of them is for aborting babies, murdering them. Another one is just concerned about the economy, but he's not going to do anything to stop the murder of babies. Another one is saying, hey, murdering babies is wrong. I'm going to stop that and also make the economy better. Uh, are you telling me that if I do more than just vote, if I am, am encouraging others to be uh, wise with their vote, to not do an injustice, that, that I am distracting from the gospel? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I think, I think, and honestly, all the 501c3 uh, nonsense where Christians uh, in churches all across America have, have bought this lie of separation of church and state where they can't get political. Um, I think they, they bought the tax-free uh, nonsense and they're afraid. And they've been enjoying just being you know, part of the gang as much as they possibly can be. Getting political uh, might come with a cost. Calling for repentance of sins uh, in politics might get uncomfortable. Might you know might cost them something. So they come up with super spiritual sounding reasons why they're going to just stay out of it, right? And if you don't, if you get involved anyways, and you're at odds with their super spiritual uh, nonsense that is not actually genuine. Uh, or maybe it is, but maybe it's misguided. You know, if they start feeling convicted or feeling conflicted, you know, I, hey, either it, he's doing that and it looks really right, and I have been against that publicly. Now I, you know, now I look like uh, I'm exposed for not having known what I was talking about. Well, then I'm going to try and you know kick some sand on what he's doing, talk him out of it. Uh, that's not cool. And I don't, I don't have to bow to that. I'm not going to bow to that. Uh, you know, I, I hope that, uh, you know, we don't just say, God bless America, uh, and then assume that he has a responsibility to bless it if we're doing evil, if we're being unjust, perverting justice. Uh, I hope also, too, you know, for those that are critical of America, and they're just, well, I'm just going to give up on the country. It's just, it's, uh, it's all lost. Uh, you know, there's no point in trying now, you know, well, it's all lost with that attitude. If your mindset is nothing can be done about it, well, then of course it's all going to go to pot. That's irresponsible. You know, snap out of it. <laughs> Wake up. Get, get off of that, uh, pity party, uh, self-excusing nonsense. Get to work. There's stuff that needs to be done. Uh, with that, I conclude this episode of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Thank you for listening. If you have anything to add, any comments about uh, what I've talked about today, please find me on social media. You can Google me, message me wherever you find me. And, uh, and also feel free to email me, garrettmullet at gmail.com, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-M-U-L-L-E-T at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening. And God bless.